Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, founder and CEO of Tribal Knowledge Podcasting, and my guest is Marissa Ferraccio, VP of Marketing at Anne Arundel Dermatology. Marissa, it is great to have you on the show. Hi, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. So say a few words about where you work, about Anne Arundel Dermatology. Sure, I'd love to. So I work at Anne Arundel Dermatology. We are a large dermatology and cosmetic providing group. We're based in Anne Arundel County, Maryland, which is about 40 minutes south of Baltimore near the eastern shore. So if Maryland blue crabs definitely come to Annapolis and Anne Arundel to, to check out the crabs. My job is to really focus on driving awareness around Anne Arundel Dermatology as a brand and generating new business, of course, for our dermatology providers and cosmetic providers. I joined the company in the beginning of the year, and this is my first really take at working full-time in the healthcare industry. I love it so far. The company is growing quite fast, and we're spending a lot of efforts and time acquiring new practices and Our job and our focus is really to provide patient care, really solid patient care. And my team's job is to make sure that everybody knows who we are and that they're not only fans, but friends of our brand. Okay, great. So now a main goal for anyone in marketing is to engage their ideal audience. And and I'm putting scare quotes around uh, the term engage because it's thrown around a lot and can mean a lot of different things. What does the term engagement mean to you as a marketer? You know, I've thought a lot about this and over the course of my, you know, career in marketing, engagement, the the meaning of engagement has changed for me. While I have really spent most of my career focusing on the digital marketing world, I think engagement would mean numbers, how many likes on a post we're getting or, or website visits we're tracking and That is relevant and very powerful. And I think you mentioned it at the beginning, the art and science of marketing. That is the science behind marketing is what was our engagement rate? What was our open rate? What was our click-through rate? And that is data that is very important and very powerful for a marketer to make decisions. And how I've always run marketing is we make decisions based on what the data is telling us. So engagement from a scientific perspective Definitely how I would define engagement, but there's also a huge component around the human side to engagement and how I view another meaning or another facet on how marketers should look at engagement. And that's communicating with your audience and making sure that they are understanding what you're talking about or educating them on, for Anne Arundel, one of our new services or maybe a new skincare product that we're selling, things that will benefit them in their life. So for me, engagement is a two-way street and it is something that involves communication. And if we're doing our jobs right, then they are clicking on an ad or they are opening an email, but I want to make sure that they're reading what they're clicking on, and they're reading the email that they're opening. So to me, it's a mixture of the science and the communication piece. Being a communications major and having a communications background, I think that component is much more important to me than maybe the data. I would rather have you read a piece of work and understand who we are and really fall in love with our brand than just click on the link. 
Okay, excellent. That's really interesting. So, like you said, the the human side of engagement. And so would it be fair to say then that involves not just having your audience read your email or watch your video, but that it touches them emotionally? Yes, 100%. You nailed it. I'm I'm a believer that as a consumer, we all consume things in different ways and based on our own needs and wants. And I want to ensure that when you're reading something or you're engaging with a brand, you feel connected to them and it touches you in in some capacity. So yeah, absolutely. And so a big part of that too, again, I'm assuming is that the communication itself, it has to be a human type of communication, like a human to human sort of conversational type of outreach that, that touches people in a way that is emotional. Absolutely. And something that's going to benefit them. I think sometimes we mix up marketing and sales with how are we going to close that deal or how are we going to acquire a new patient before we think about how do we communicate with that consumer and help them understand how we can benefit them. And if you can figure out the with them, then your communication is going to touch them and also drive that engagement that you're looking for. Yeah, you need to offer and add value before trying to sell anything. Yes. So now you've worked in marketing in a bunch of different industries. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges you face a VP as a VP of marketing in the dermatology business? It's a really great question and one that I'm still figuring out being just about you know, 13 weeks in <laughs> into into this new career for for myself. You know, I've been in marketing since I was about 20 years old, over a decade. I'm giving away my age a little bit, but um, <laughs> crazy to say that out loud. But I think one of the things that I have always faced or any marketer will face is removing the curtain from, from that ambiguity that often entails with marketers and people not really fully understanding the technicalities behind marketing. You often hear people say things oh, marketing can make it pretty. Marketing can make it look good. And as a marketer, you cringe when you hear that because there is so much more methodology behind marketing deliverables, whether it's a digital strategy or even print. There is more to it than just making something look pretty. And I think the biggest challenge that I have faced throughout my career is educating our clients, educating the people whom we support and helping them understand what the wizard behind the curtain is doing and letting them see a different perspective of marketing. I think about people who work in digital and they're living in in the world of Google and social media and they're running ads and they're focused on keywords and specific, specific demographics. And when somebody sees an ad, unless you work in marketing and live in the ad world, you don't know what goes behind the scenes and you may make assumptions. And I think that is something that I have really prioritized over the past few years is getting our clients, getting our executives to really start to understand what the wizard behind the curtain is doing and that it's more than just making things pretty. Okay, so when you talk about clients and stakeholders, you're talking about 
departments within the company that you're working for, right? I think for the most part, yes. I'm also comparing it a little bit to my very limited agency experience, but I think Mm, interdepartmental often comes to marketing for a lot of requests and they need to understand what their request entails, I think, to give them a good perspective. Why is that important that you pull back the, the curtain as you're saying, by the way, it's interesting to me that that's a Wizard of Oz reference, obviously. <laughs> yeah. A movie that came out in like the 1930s, and somehow we're all still saying this. It's a classic movie. You know what I mean? Classic. But everyone knows what that means somehow. I know. <laughs> Man, I was wearing those red sparkly shoes as a little girl. Dorothy was my jam. <laughs> yeah. Talk about a, a movie that's had an afterlife. My Massive state Any- power. So anyway, but my question is, why is that important? I saw something on LinkedIn a few weeks ago, and it's really stuck with me. Marketers are not order takers. Marketers are strategic and marketers are partners and marketers are responsible for the revenue of the business. And I think that understanding is a little bit muddled. And I go back to the comment around the making things pretty. I think marketing 20, 30 years ago probably looks a lot different than marketing does today. And it's helping those individuals understand what we can do to help drive that bottom line and drive revenue. And to me, sometimes marketing is viewed as a catch-all, right? Hey, marketing, do this. Hey, marketing, do that. Mm. Hey, marketing, do this versus, hey, marketing, what are you doing to help us drive revenue? What is your strategy for this quarter? What is your strategy for this initiative? And I think educating individuals to help them understand that (laughs) if you don't have any goals and you're not being strategic can often be an uphill battle to climb. But I think at the end of the day, it's what's going to help the business. I don't think I know it's what's going to help the business grow. Which is why I think there's such a strong argument to be made for working towards marketing and sales alignment, just to mention one example. 100%. Because I think that's often a kind of fault line where you get another area of the business, namely sales, which is in, in many ways most directly impacted by what marketing is doing and vice versa. Sure. And when the communication isn't there, it can just lead to a lot of frustration and stress. Correct. I remember somebody said to me years ago, marketing lives on Venus and sales lives on Mars. It always, I always laughed at that, and really, but it really resonated with me because we are an extension of sales because our job is to bring the horses to water and their jobs are to make them drink, right? Yeah. We have to be connected. And that that goes for both B2B and B2C. We have to ensure that we're working with the departments who are responsible for that bottom line. Absolutely. And a big part of that for marketing is crafting uh, messaging and content that's going to really speak to the audience, right? That's going to speak to the prospects that sales are working with and trying to convert into customers. And in order to do that, you have to know who those people are. You have to know your audience and what they care about. So how do you do that specifically in dermatology? So we have been working closely with our cosmetics division to really grow and educate our customer base around cosmetics and what that means for you um, as an individual and as a consumer. Cosmetics often can have a preconceived notion as to what that means. And so we've been working through some rebrands and some ways to really stand out from the noise. 
And our biggest attempt to get to know our customers have been through surveys and asking them questions about their feelings, about their emotions, about what matters to them. Kind of getting to know them a little bit as best as we can through these various surveys and identifying pain points, identifying trends, and identifying themes. Our job is to ensure that patients, when they come into our offices, are receiving the best care. Patient care, like I mentioned, is our number one priority. And we're only going to be able to do that if we understand what matters to our patients. And we have found some really interesting trends through those surveys, what people are looking for, how they want to feel when they leave one of our derm spas, Mm. what type of experience they want when they walk in the door. And it surprisingly was a little bit different than what we believe to be true. Um, And it allows us to adapt not only that in-office experience, but also throughout our messaging. Oh, interesting. So what's an example of something that you learned that was surprising? Yeah, so this one stands out to me. So when we think of derm spa, Mediderm spa, you think of, for me, I think of a spa-like atmosphere where I am going to go spend hours of my day working on my, my appearance, so to speak, and relaxing. And we thought that our customers wanted to have that type of experience. But an overwhelming percentage of our group, I believe it was probably close to 70%, they wanted a quick in and out experience. They wanted their lunchtime Botox. They wanted their mid-morning hydrofacial. They wanted things that they were going to be able to tackle throughout a lunch break or in between meetings. And what it made us realize was that our customers and our patient base, they're really looking for a great experience, but in bite-sized chunks. So it changes how we set up our storefronts. It changes how we market to them and ensuring that they understand that this can be a quick turnaround service. Okay. Wow. And that sounds pretty important. That's like a great testimony to the value of understanding what your customers and prospects actually want. A hundred percent, because both my marketing team and our cosmetics team felt that they wanted a different type of experience. And when we saw those results, we were all shocked. (laughs) Oh, yeah, makes sense. It's great to do the research. And I often recommend to anybody in marketing, it's best to do the research up front because you're going to have a more impactful campaign and a more impactful strategy. If you rush and just make assumptions, you're going to see less engagement. You're going to see less results because you're going to be making assumptions versus basing it off of data. It's easy to make assumptions and it's easier to go with what you think might be true rather than taking the time to figure out what's actually true by doing some research. Correct. But there's a pretty good chance your assumptions are going to be wrong or at least wrong enough. And and so it's just worth every time doing that research if you can. Absolutely. And it's good to really communicate that with the stakeholders up front and let them know, yeah, this may slow down the project another week or two, but in order to make this the most impactful, we believe by doing this research or sending this survey, we'll have the answers we need to be successful. And I, I think it's also a good way of proving the, the business value of marketing. Like oh, you were saying before, you want a seat at the table. In a way, you have to make a case for why you should have a seat at the table. And if you can bring to the proverbial table research showing, here's what our customers are actually saying, that's really valuable. Absolutely agree. 
So what's a current marketing trend that you think is overrated? I think back to a few years ago when I was asked this question and I remember it was during the the meerkat phenomenon and there was another mm. one I can't remember, but I remember thinking, man, these fads, they're not going to last. And I was the social media manager at a startup and I, everyone looked at me like, like I had the plague. They were like, what? You don't think this is going to last? And I was like, no, absolutely not. This has no staying power. So I'm going to say something very controversial, but I think Clubhouse is a fad. And I think we as marketers tend to jump on things quickly because we want to adapt and we want to adopt and we want to be the first to market with something. But I don't think jumping on these bandwagons as quickly as we sometimes do is always the best approach. And to me, having worked in the radio industry and having seen some of these tools and technologies and, and platforms come and go, there's just something about it that makes me not sure that it's going to work, but it may also work for certain groups and certain individuals. So there's a little bit of hesitancy um, on my end with that. And I just, I feel based on what we know to be true with certain platforms, there's just something about Clubhouse that is rubbing me the wrong way, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Interesting. I don't have an iPhone, so I haven't used Clubhouse yet. Yeah. I'm waiting for them to come out with an app for Android. So I, I can't speak to it with any knowledge. It sounds very interesting, but it's also like brand new. Mm -hmm. And probably there's almost certainly like no data to be able to support whether it's a valuable marketing tool or not. And like I mentioned, I tend to be more data driven. So I may be slow to adoption or slow to a new trend, but I want to see that it's going to be worth the effort and worth the time to invest in, in something new. So I may be a little bit late to the bandwagon, but maybe I'll jump on once I see some data around its impactfulness. Or you could be a, a prophet. You could be totally right. <laughs> and it'll just fade out and, and totally fail, as a, at least as hey, a marketing you know tool. This is recorded, right? So if I'm going yeah, to right. come back to this if, if this happens. <laughs> that's right. We heard it here first, people. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So Marissa, final thoughts. Based on your experience, what's something that marketing and communication professionals can start doing right away to improve engaging with their audiences? I think step one, learn your audience. Take the time to understand who they are. Explore the tools that you have available to you to learn more about that audience, whether it's investing in in-person or virtual customer focus groups, whether it's running surveys, whether it's spending time analyzing demographic data or tying your HubSpot insights and your user behavior and your Google analytics and whatever you need to do. I think step one is to really take some time to know your audience and know what matters to them and then create your content and your marketing pieces around what is going to matter to them, provide that value, and you will ultimately see an increase in your engagement. And then you can look at your data to determine how to pivot from there. But I think getting to know your audience and knowing what their pain points are will in turn generate the greatest engagement for you. Okay, great. I love that. I mean, that that's what this podcast is all about. We talk a lot about the importance of diving deep into your audience and, and really having great understanding. So thanks for that. And Marissa, thank you so much for a really great conversation. Thank you so much, Jeremy. 
that's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.